Okay, am I on? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good morning, everyone. Now, if, <coughs> if you don't know me, uh, my name's Rob, and I'm one of the elders here. And I think most people know me. Uh, Um, do you ever wonder why some people are switched on for Jesus and others couldn't care less? Maybe you have a child who follows Christ and another family member who thinks Christianity is foolish. This is the first sermon I've given in church and Rob asked me uh, what passage I'd like to speak on. And I said uh, this one in Ephesians was my top choice. Why? Well, because whether or not you get this passage, it shows whether you're spiritually, spiritually alive or spiritually dead. This passage draws a line. Are you alive or dead? Are you a Christian or not? I think this is the most important thing I could speak on today. So with that in mind, let's stop and just pray. Lord, as we consider this passage in Ephesians, I pray that the meaning of the passage will be clear, that your spirit will empower me to be clear and accurate, and that all of us will hear and respond to your message to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we will be referring to the passage in Ephesians 976 in the Church Bible. But first, a bit of background on this letter. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, we learn that Paul is writing to the saints or the Christians in the city of Ephesus. And Ephesus was an important city in the Roman province of Asia, Asia Minor actually, and that's now present-day Turkey. And the main message uh, of, the of the whole letter of Ephesians is how the Lord is bringing Jews, non-Jews and all of creation under the Lordship of Christ. And there are six chapters in the book of Ephesians and the first three chapters focus on doctrine or teaching and the last three chapters are about applying that teaching. And Paul wrote this letter about 60 AD. Now today we're looking at a small part of Ephesians, chapter 2 verses 1 to 10, although we will look at a couple of other verses around that. But the main idea in today's passage is about how God takes people who are spiritually dead and makes them alive in Jesus. How God takes people that were spiritually dead and makes them alive in Jesus. There's a strong focus on God's grace. Now from the beginning of the letter to the Ephesians, Paul's been speaking about how great God is. Paul recounts what God has done to bring people to faith in him and how wonderful that is. Our passage today continues that theme. And with Paul showing what Christians were like before they became, sorry, before they knew Jesus and then contrasts that. We're going to look at three main points today. Dead in sin, made alive in Christ and new life in Christ. Now let's go to my first point. Dead in sin. In Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 to 3, Paul turns from talking about the Ephesian Christians and their faith in Jesus and what they were like, and then he turns to talking about what they were like before they became believers. Now, there's a big contrast here. Um, earlier in Ephesians, in chapter 1, verse 15, he spoke about their faith in the Lord Jesus. 
Well, now come and look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 with me. Can you see it in your Bible? Chapter 2, verse 1. And it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's what they were before they became Christians. Later, he includes himself in that. And what does that mean? It means they were spiritually dead. And is this significant for us? Yes. This is the state of unbelievers today. And it's what we were like before we believed. This is a confronting truth. Feel the weight of it. They have no relationship with God. They are separated from God. And they have no spiritual life. What do they do? Well, what do we learn from watching the news? The world is sick. People do what they want. They demand their rights. Self is a priority. And they want to indulge all their wants. I remember a person that used to work with me in the organisation. I've since left and retired. Um, he was, this person was stealing money by submitting fraudulent petty cash claims. This wasn't picked up by any audit and no one knew about it. And what happened was after this person left their job, they became a Christian. And we know that because they wrote to, the, to my employer and they apologised for their actions and they said they'd become a Christian and they wanted to return the money they'd stolen. Now we hear this and we think that's a great outcome. But people in the world who are dead perhaps might think this person was foolish. They could have got away with it. Spiritually dead means there's nothing a person can do to change the situation by themselves. They can't understand the gospel, turn to the Lord and be saved. They're dead. It's a strong word. This was me before I became a Christian. I had no understanding of things beyond myself. Life was all about me. The concept, concept of a spiritual life with God was foreign to me. Can you relate to that? Is that you? When the preacher calls for repentance, do you think, no, I'm pretty good, thanks? Or my favourite, he's obviously talking to someone else. <laughs> Paul goes on to tell us more about the unbeliever. They were enslaved to sin. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 with me. It says, They follow the course of the world, that is, the world's ways, a secular lifestyle that's foreign to God, living for myself. Verse 2 says the unbeliever follows the plans of the prince of the power of the air. What's that? That's another name for the devil. Do you remember back in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve decided to follow their own desires instead of God's direction? Remember the story? God said, don't eat, from that fr eat the fruit or you will die. The devil in the form of a serpent said, you won't die. Adam and Eve listened to the devil instead of God. And as a result, they came under a curse. And we're all born into that state of rebellion against God. Like Adam and Eve, we all will die. In Ephesians, the devil's described as a spirit at work in them. If we're not following God's way, then we're following the devil's directions, whether we realise it or not. Maybe you're thinking, this only applies to really bad people. Certainly not you and me. Well, look at verse 3 with me because it tells us all people used to live this way, living in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of body and mind. This includes us. 
As a non-Christian, I didn't see that the devil was my master. I didn't understand I was following his ways. What was my life like? Exactly like verse 3. I lived in the passions of the flesh and carried out the desires of my body and mind. I'm going to share a few things about myself you may not know. My parents died before I reached my teens and my brothers and I were adopted by an auntie and uncle. Life was unhappy for me in that home and the relationship with my adopted mother was very difficult. But from 18 years old, I was living away from home, struggling with loneliness, drinking lots of grog and having lots of unsuccessful relationships with women. I was driven by the desires of my body and mind. I had no interest in or thoughts about God. It was all about me. I was spiritually dead. Are you spiritually alive or spiritually dead? And does your life reflect the world or Christ? In the second part of verse 3, Paul goes on to say that both he and the Ephesians had been by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Their basic character was opposed to God and they'd been under condemnation. Maybe you're familiar with the account of God's judgment of the world in Revelation chapter 20. The key, the key, the, sorry, the key picture is a scene where all the people who've ever lived are gathered before God who sits on a great white throne to judge. It's the end of the world as we know it. Books are opened that list what people have done in life. And another book called The Book of Life is opened that lists all the people that have been saved by Jesus. And it says anyone whose name was not written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. This passage had a big impression on me before I became a Christian. I was dating a girl and she told me she was a Christian. She probably shouldn't have been dating me. Over a meal, she asked me if she could tell me about Jesus. And I said, sure, she was really pretty. <laughs> Not as pretty as you, Paula. <laughs> she explained the gospel, but it didn't really impact me. And sometime later, I was at her house and I opened her Bible. And it was at ran- I opened it at random and I read that verse about the lake of fire. I quickly shut the Bible. I decided I needed to find out more. It was scary. What's the state of a person before they're a Christian? The Bible says they're dead in their sin, following their sinful desires. In fact, they have a basic character that's opposed to God. You know, coming to church each week doesn't make you a Christian. Any more than walking into into your garage each day makes you a car. Have you truly entrusted yourself to him or are you headed for the lake of fire? Please think about it. Now my second point, made alive with Christ. Please turn to chapter 2 verse 4. Chapter 2 verse 4, a massive contrast. This verse starts, but God, but God. This is like a bad news, good news story. 
but it's way better. You imagine you get a message that your daughter's been in a car accident. Oh, no. And then you hear she's not injured. Ah, oh, relief. Well, this is even better. Here in this verse, Paul changes from talking about what they were like before they became Christians. That is, dead in their trespasses and sins and under the control of the devil. That's the bad news. Now he talks about what God did. He made them alive with Christ. That's the good news. If we look back to chapter 1, verse 20, Paul writes that Christ died and was raised from the dead by God the Father and is now sitting at God's right hand. Well, here in chapter 2, verse 5, Paul says that God made the Christian alive together with Christ. God did it. They were dead and could do nothing. They couldn't make themselves alive. Have you ever seen someone that was dead? I once worked as a wardsman at Hornsby Hospital and I uh, did it for six weeks. And I remember, I remember seeing a body in the hospital morgue. And I remember thinking how final death was. Life had departed that person, leaving just their body behind. It was final and shocking. There was nothing they could do to change anything. What did God do? He took people that were spiritually dead and brought them to life. Verse 5 says, made alive together with Christ. And why did he do it? Well, verse 4 tells us he was rich in mercy and he loved us with a great love. He brought us to life because he loved us. Wow, does that make you want to say, thank you, Lord? Amen. Amen. We did nothing. It was all God's doing. Back in, Ch in John uh, chapter 6, verse 44, you don't need to look this up. Um, it says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up on the last day. Salvation is God's doing. God enables a person to come to Christ. Hang on. Does that mean the non-Christian just has to wait for God to zap him? Bzzz, now you're a Christian? No. When we hear the message of the gospel, God's free gift of salvation through the death and resurrection of Christ we must take hold of it by faith. We put our trust in the promise of God to save us. Look back in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Can you see it? It says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And when Peter preached to the people at Pentecost, um, you don't need to look this up, but it's in Acts 2, uh, after he'd finished preaching, the people said, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We must lay hold of God's promises by faith. Repent and turn to the Lord. Friends, the God of the universe came to earth in human form. He was born a man. He lived a perfect life. Although he suffered temptation, he never sinned. And he died on the cross as the perfect once-only sacrifice for our sin. God raised him to life again. And he's now seated at God's right hand. What is our response? 
If you know Jesus, then rejoice and praise God. The gospel is wonderful news. And this passage celebrates the wonder of it. If you're not a Christian, repent and turn to Jesus today. You can be raised up and made alive too. Now come to part three, new life in Christ. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 with me. It says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. These verses bring home an important point about our deeds. How good do we need to be to be saved? Can we do anything to be made acceptable to God? The answer is no. We learnt in the previous verses that people are spiritually dead. They can do nothing. Salvation is a free gift. If you ask people in the community who goes to heaven when they die, it's very common to hear the response, it's those people who live a good life. I asked a friend of mine what he thought happened when he died. And he said, I don't like to think about it. And then he said, I hope I've done enough good things. I have to tell you, according to the Bible, my friend is going to hell. Unless something changes, he'll be thrown into the lake of fire. Do you find that surprising? That was me before I put my trust in Jesus. I didn't like to think about Jesus. It required a response. I put the thoughts about God out of my mind. However, when I read that verse in my girlfriend's Bible about the lake of fire and was confronted with the Bible's message about God's wrath against sin, I knew it applied to me. I started to investigate what it was all about. I talked to some men who I knew were Christians and they helped answer some of my questions. I started reading the Bible. I found that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, had died on the cross for me. He'd taken my punishment on himself. He'd been resurrected to life by God and was now in heaven at God's right hand. So one day at work, in my office, by myself, I prayed and asked Jesus to come into my life and take control. I asked him to forgive my sins. I put my faith in Jesus. The Bible says when I believe, the Holy Spirit, I re, sorry, when I believed, I received the Holy Spirit, which is the seal of my inheritance in God's kingdom. The Lord has taken away my loneliness and given me his peace. When we put our trust in Jesus, it seems like we've done it ourselves. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, it says, God chose us before the creation of the world. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it tells us it's not our own doing, it's a gift of God. Friends, we made a decision to put our trust in Jesus, but only because God chose us before the creation of the world to do exactly that. We're saved by God's grace through our faith in Jesus, which is a gift of God. We've got nothing we can boast about. Well, what should our response be? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
We've already learned that good deeds do not save us. In fact, we can do nothing to make ourselves acceptable to God. However, as a Christian, we respond to God's grace by giving ourselves to good works. In fact, a changed life is part of following Christ. If your life has not changed since becoming a Christian, are you really following Christ? When I had my first job, I stole a stapler from work. It was a good stapler, metal, hard to break. If you're going to steal something, make it worth it, right? <laughs> when I eventually became a Christian, I continued to use it. I kept thinking, it's not mine. I felt guilty, but it was a good stapler. <laughs> I tried to convince myself it was a minor thing and didn't matter, but that didn't work. In the end, I returned to that, to that organisation after 45 years. <laughs> I got a lot of... Lot of uh, I use it a lot. Um, they didn't really want it, but I insisted. It, it wasn't mine. In fact, they thought I was nuts. But, um, so, friends, do you steal from your employer? Do you fudge your tax return? Do you gossip about others? Do you do something else that you know is wrong? Often the only person who will know about it is you and God. Instead of us being dead in our trespasses and sins, in, sorry, instead of us being dead in our sins and trespasses, in slavery to sin, living for ourselves, the Christian is freed from this to serve the God of the universe. Christians are to be different, to have our character changed, to reflect Jesus. Remember Paul's description of the Ephesians in chapter 1, verse 15. He said they were known for their love to others. Let's be like them and love others too. However, the Christian's also aware of the continued problem of sin. While sin's no longer our master, we still struggle to live as we should. We remain sinners saved by grace. Each day, we should turn in repentance to Jesus and press on again to live for him by faith. When I put my trust in Jesus, I repented of my rebellion against him and I submitted myself to him. I submitted to him as my king. Then I started to be convicted of lots of things I, I was doing that were wrong. I wonder if you've experienced that. The Lord helped me over time to get victory over some sins. Lots of others I still battle with. Sometimes I can't believe what I'm like. I'm ashamed of the thoughts that go through my mind sometimes. But I realise struggling against sin is a normal life of a Christian. I must live by faith, not by sight. As the Lord changes me. Friends, I mourn over my sin, desiring to be fully freed from its grip. Then I focus on Jesus and what he's done for me on the cross. He's my hope and confidence. I hope he's yours too. Friends, we need to press on, trusting in the Lord and look to the future. When Jesus will return and we'll have a new body, freed from the curse of sin. Let's celebrate what God has done for us. All right, what have we talked about so far? We were dead in sin. 
If we know Jesus, we've been made alive in Christ by God's grace. And as a Christian, we have new life in Christ, which means we must live a changed life. If you feel you want to repent and turn to Jesus today, please speak to myself, uh, our new elder, Andrew, or one of our pastors, Rob or Dan, before you leave. Will you join me in prayer? Dear Lord, thank you for the free gift of new life through Jesus Christ. Please refresh our hearts and help us to celebrate what you've done for us. Amen.